0: CHAPTER Eleven, JOURNAL TO THE GRANDCHILDREN According to Webster, the term the Fourth Estate refers to the people and organizations who report the news—in other words, the press. The press was never intended to be a propaganda arm for the federal government. Our forefathers saw the danger in that and protected the press right up front in the First Amendment of our Constitution. Congress shall make no law abridging freedom of speech or of the press. Since the press has been circumvented by the parties of governance, we have lost our free press. With purposeful intention, the current administration has used political correctness to do a slow burn to the Constitution. On this very day, as I write this, it just so happens the president has taken the first steps to regulate the Internet. Now about political correctness, way back in 1973, this was a big issue for me. I used to argue politics with my old friend, Thomas H. Dittmer, a legend in the commodity markets. He was the Republican and I was the Democrat. These discussions would always end with a frustrated Dittmer shouting, you're nothing but an effing liberal. I didn't know much about a lot back then, including the constitution. But when I was on the air, at least I tried to be neutral. But I know today it was the power of political correctness. As I sat down to write this book, I was reminded how much I wanted to put myself into the discussion we were having on Point Counterpoint on WLS radio one evening. I was hosting a talk show in Chicago back in 1973. The topic was the Equal Rights Amendment, ERA, which I clearly favored. Four women from the National Organization of Women, now, a big proponent of the amendment, sat in the studio on one side of the round table. Phyllis Schlafly, a conservative homemaker from downstate Illinois who had run for Congress, was on the other. I sat in the middle, but moved my chair closer to the women's libbers. As the discussion developed, my reaction startled me. I tried to ignore it, but it got stronger. I now found myself pushing my chair in the opposite direction, closer to the modest attorney in the business suit, the woman who had worked her way through college on the night shift at the St. Louis Ordnance Plant, testing 30 and 50 caliber ammunition by firing rifles and machine guns for the war effort. She was making a lot of sense. I watched her intelligently knock down one argument after another by succinctly pointing to the United States Constitution, illustrating the many flaws the liberals presented. As she did, the four women wearing oversized t-shirts emblazoned with now became emotional, angry, and hateful in their responses. Why women should give up on their husbands, children, family, home, and men. Schlafly argued that the ERA amendment would have unintended effects on women by taking away automatic rights such as custody, child support, and alimony, erase laws protecting them from sex crimes and other consequences. A pressure cooker was building in the broadcast studio as she spoke. More amazed than disappointed that my side didn't have their facts, I pushed for a reasonable argument which they could not make. During the break, I went into the control room to talk to the producer, Kurt Peterson. Great show, Kurt said. Yes, but it won't last much longer. Shafley is creaming them point by point. She's good, Kurt said. She has the facts. After the news break, when the microphones went live, we were back at the table. I tried to tone down the rhetoric, but it didn't work. The women's livers had had enough. They were furious. It was the first and last time anyone walked off our live talk show. For the next couple of hours, Phyllis Schlafly educated me and our listeners about the import of something I took for granted but knew little about, the United States Constitution. But what was more surprising, my friend Tom Dittmer never again called me an effing liberal.